What up, what up, what up, everyone? This is Dr. Dennis Tian. I'm your host. This is the Dr. Football Podcast. As always, I am recording with my main man, the CEO of Hedge Better, Justin Fine. Justin, how are you doing? Welcome back to New England, my friend. Thank you, man. Yeah, missing that uh missing that Costa Rica weather, but uh we're we're back. We're 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 adjusting to to normal life again, back to the grinds. Um but uh it was a great weekend of uh football, great Super Bowl. I'm sure we're gonna get into. It absolutely was. Now you got back the day before your super the Super Bowl, is that right? So I got back the Friday night at like midnight. So yeah, basically like the day before. Yeah. How was how was Costa Rica, Justin? Give us the info because I have to tell you that there are a lot of places in the world that I want to go that I haven't been to yet. Costa Rica is like a trendy spot that really, for whatever reason, doesn't appeal to me that much. I don't know why, because people say they love it. What what was the scoop on Costa Rica? All right, so the inside scoop real quick. We'll go through a quick rundown. So what I will say about Costa Rica is it's beautiful, right? It's got a gorgeous countryside, gorgeous scenery. Um, one of the things I really like about Costa Rica is it's very safe, right? Costa Rica is the type of place where you can leave the resort. You can take a bus into town. Um, you know, you can kind of move about freely. Um, it's also, coincidentally enough, ranked one of the top 10 happiest places in the world to live in. And honestly, you know what? It really came off that way. Everybody from the people on the resort to the people off the resort in the villages, everyone was happy. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was super outgoing. The service was incredible. Um, weather was a 10 out of 10. Um, it was honestly. So, just would a, you go back? Or would you recommend it? I would. I would highly recommend it. I would definitely go back. Okay. And uh, fun little fact: okay. Costa Rica, I guess, is the largest country without a formal military. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, maybe maybe one day I will have to make my way to Costa Rica. Um, but nobody really is listening to hear us talk about uh, Costa Rica. Uh, this is the football podcast and. We Dr. Football Podcast, and we are not talking about medicine. We are talking about football and the NFL, the culmination of the NFL season, the Super Bowl. The crescendo has been reached, Justin. The Super Bowl is behind us. We have a long offseason looking ahead of us, facing us now. Um, the NFL has structured the offseason, so there's something to talk about all offseason for the most part, but nonetheless, kind of a dark time in the sporting calendar. Mm. So let's talk a lot about the game on Sunday. And it really, I think, is an interesting game for a lot of reasons. And I think it's an interesting game for Patriots fans just because we are now officially in the post-dynasty world. And I would say with Brady retiring, that is sort of the last gasp, if you will, of, of this sort of like, you know, post-dynasty kind of um, era where Brady was in Tampa and Belichick was here. And we're really, I think, as New England football fans, we're going to be moving into kind of a new postmodern world, if you will, where Brady is not a factor in the NFL for the first time in 22 years this fall. And I think everything's going to be different. But I think that with the, the residue, if you will, of what Brady and Belichick accomplished and the six Super Bowl titles and the dynasty still very much fresh 
in our stream of consciousness. I think what we're seeing now with Kansas City, and now that they have won multiple Super Bowls, five straight conference championship games at home, um, a great quarterback in Mahomes, a great coach in Reed, people are already drawing the comparisons between the Chiefs dynasty, if you even are ready to call it that yet, and what the Patriots have done. Um, I was of the opinion this week that I would not be rooting against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm so over that because I just feel like it's their time. And I feel like they deserve to win another Super Bowl. And I feel like, um, you know, the Patriots thing is over. So I don't want to be that fan that's hating on another team's greatness. I hate it when people just hate it on the Patriots because they were the Patriots, because they were so great. I'm not going to do that. I, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I, I think back and I'm like, who is the guy that hated Babe Ruth because he was Babe Ruth or hated Muhammad Ali because he was Muhammad Ali? I don't want to be that kind of fan. So more power to the Chiefs was kind of my attitude all week. They went out. They took care of business. They've won two now in five years. They have a lot of accomplishments, Justin. Now we can start to make comparisons to the Patriots dynasty. We can start, maybe not you know, at this point yet to the Patriots dynasty. Maybe that's a crazy thought. But we can start making comparisons between the Chiefs and other dynasties. And we can maybe compare how the Chiefs dynasty has started to the Patriots dynasty start and, and, and who's trending ahead. So my question to you is, is are the Kansas City Chiefs a dynasty? And how should Patriots fans feel like that? Feel about that? I think, yeah, I, I'm going to say that I think the, the Kansas City Chiefs are um, officially, you know, a dynasty. You've you've won, um, you've won what two out of the last four, I believe. You've or you've been to three out of the last five, won two out of the last four, something like that. Um, consistently threatening every year. Um, I, I, I think they're the closest thing you're going to see to a dynasty. I think, you, you know, you kind of have to give them their respect. Um, as a Patriots fan, you know, I don't really hate it. You know, I have to be completely honest. I mean, you know, if, if you love Tom Brady, obviously you don't want to see Mahomes. Or, you know, maybe you do. But, um, you know, obviously Mahomes racking up the stats that kind of puts him more and more into the compare uh, to the category of goat. You know what I mean? Kind of makes helps kind of make those comparisons. Um, you know, for, for some people, you might not want to see it, but I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I can't really hate in the Chiefs as much as I want to. You know, I don't like them by any means, but I, I definitely don't hate them. Um, you know, one thing that the Chiefs have kind of shown me. And, you know, I think the Patriots figured out this formula a long time ago. So if we're comparing dynasties is, you know, we talk about all these talented rosters from top to bottom in football, all these big explosive playmakers, you know, all these loaded rosters, these loaded defenses. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs showed us this year that really, all, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but you need good, competent coaching, a top-tier quarterback, a good offensive line, and you can get mediocrity out of the rest of your team and you can still win a Super Bowl in this league. And for a while, I mean, that's, that was the base of the Patriots, right? You had Bill Belichick, you had Tom Brady. Um, and when we had good offensive line play, we 
were successful, even sometimes if the rest of our team wasn't so stellar, right? Um, I think the Chiefs have the formula, and the fact that they won this year, uh, I think, speaks volumes because Travis Kelsey was their only weapon on offense to speak of, right? They had a kind of hobbled together receiving and running back core. Their defense was average at best. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think they found the formula, and I think they need the respect that uh, they've earned at this point. See, I, I, I'm kind of torn about whether I'm ready to call the Chiefs a dynasty or not because I do sort of feel like you have to win three titles to get to, to really get to that level of being a dynasty. I don't know, but I will say this. Like, the Chiefs are as close to a dynasty as I would say a franchise could possibly be having only won two Super Bowl titles. And it's because all the things you just alluded to, they've been to five straight conference championship games, three Super Bowls in five years. They've hosted, um, they, they, they've dominated the league. I mean, they really are the, 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 the marquee franchise in the league over a half a decade period, which I think does check one of the major boxes for dynasty. Like, is this the marquee team for an extended period? And realistically, you'd have to say, unequivocally yeah i mean this has been a five-year period where the chiefs have been the best team over that five-year period so I, I i think that they're right there i'd feel better about calling them a dynasty if they won a third title you know but 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 I i think that's coming let's face it right this is not going to be this team's last um bite of the apple is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes right now, Justin, are they the second best coach quarterback tandem or the third best coach quarterback tandem ever? I mean, you have to put Brady Belichick one. We can't forget about Walsh and Montana and what they did in the eighties. And that was a little before both of our time, but I caught the tail end of that. Nonetheless, four titles team of the eighties, you know, can't argue with that but you could make an argument that already if the chiefs do nothing else if mahomes and reed do nothing else that they're the third best coach quarterback tandem maybe in nfl history i mean you can make a case right you definitely i i think you can definitely make a case um is it solidified no but what's what's scary about it is when you think just how young Mahomes still is and you hear Andy Reid making comments about how he still feels young and wants to be here as long as they'll have him you know it, it you just can't help but think that with everything they've accomplished that they're nowhere near done right at least that's the feeling I get which I think I I'm not I, that's always going to creep in the back of my mind is like yes I can evaluate what they've done up to this point but the other thing that's nudging me just a little bit is just keeping in mind what I think they can still do um into the future. So I think you do have to, uh, you have to talk about putting them up there. I mean, if anything, who just, else could you put ahead of them besides Brady Belichick besides Mon uh, Montana and Walsh? Like I can't think of, I mean, maybe Aikman, Jimmy Johnson, they were I, only together four years. You know, the, the, the one thing that's stopping this duo is the fact that they only had one Super Bowl together. But I think, um, you could talk about, uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I think that's a pretty good 
Uh, that, that was a pretty good pairing for a while down in New Orleans. But again, only one Super Bowl to speak of. Um, Manning and Dungy. Manning and Dungy, Dungy, right? I mean, couldn't you make a great Eli argument? Eli and right Coughlin, now? maybe? I, I don't know. Yeah, Eli wasn't good enough. Eli wasn't good enough, I think. I mean, that was a good tandem, but I, I wouldn't say it was on that level. I mean, you know, Manning Dungy, I, I honestly think right now, already, just off like without looking at any statistics or anything and one loss records, anything. I think you could make a case that Mahomes and Reed are already a better, more prolific, more productive coach quarterback tandem than Manning Dungy. I think I could agree to that. I mean, yeah, I, I think, I, I think you could, I think you could sign me up for that. Yeah. Uh, I, because I, they had a longer run. Manning Dungy had a longer run. They only won one Super Bowl. They were notoriously um, unsuccessful in the playoffs, you know, until until they finally won in 2010. But that was their only title together. Um, and that, even that, or excuse me, 2006, I should say, uh, they lost in 2010. Um, you know, man, you know, they made two Super Bowls. Mahomes and Reed have already made three. So, I mean, as much as I love Manning, and I, I would say, quite honestly, if you ask me all-time quarterback rankings, I'm putting Manning either second or third. And I'm speaking of someone that rooted against him, by the way, passionately for like 15 years, but he's a terrific quarterback. He was a great opponent, frankly. But, uh, you know, all that said, you have to look at what Reed and Mahomes have accomplished the last five years. And in many ways, it has already exceeded what Manning and Dungy did. Yeah. I, in, 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 like we, like we said, there's still a lot to, a lot to go, right? I mean, don't forget Manning and Dungy, they, they had one Super Bowl together, right? Manning had to go to Denver to get a second one. Super Bowl. Um, yeah. They made a second and lost in 2010. That's exactly right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and then it's um, and then listen, and I said I just mentioned this, but just since you brought it up, don't forget the epic run of playoff failure that Manning and Tunchy had. I mean, that they, they were they were that was a long stretch where they just couldn't get it done in the postseason. A hundred, a hundred percent. Um, I mean, you some would even argue that they got super lucky to win that. One Super Bowl. I mean, the fact they had to make the comeback against us, and then they got a cakewalk against Rex Grossman and the Bears. So, I yep. mean, yeah, yeah, I would definitely say Mahomes and Reed have had a a tougher road um, so far. Just just given, um, you know, I mean, they play in a decent division. You know, they've beaten two good teams in the Super Bowl, right? They beat a good Forty ers team. They beat a good Eagles team. Um, yeah, I, I I think this is. I I think you got to put them up there, and at least. Uh, you know, at least around third or fourth. And it's going to be tough to find somebody who could pass them. One of the things that I think we're going to see, and, 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 I, and I will predict this over the next five or 10 years, and I think one of the things we're going to be talking about is the value of resiliency and longevity. Right now, we all look at the Brady-Belichick relationship as a failed relationship because it ended. But it also went on for 20 years. And I think as we pass distance to the end of this whole thing and Brady's career now in the rearview mirror, 
we're going to look back more at the 20 years as a success than the last three years as, as a failure of the Brady-Belichick relationship. Mahomes and Reed have only been together for five years. And, and one of the reasons I don't root against them, or I haven't yet, and maybe I will if they make it next year, if they do get the chance to win a third, but I really wasn't in my heart rooting against them this year, is because they're so far away from even touching what Belichick and Brady did. The value and the power of Belichick and Brady's ability to be resilient, to endure, to keep it together for the greater good for 20 years, you know, and there was a lot of sacrifice from both sides involved in that. Don't forget how many submarket contracts Tom Brady took to be here, right? So the value of, of that ability to keep it together for two decades is one of the distinguishing characteristics of the Brady Belichick dynasty, because could you not argue that the start of the chiefs dynasty, if you will, I'm not saying it definitely is. You could argue there Reed Mahomes is off to a faster start than Brady Belichick. It's, it's at least comparable. Well, I think but you, do you, sorry. do you think they're going to keep it together for 20 years? Cause I don't think, you know what I mean? That's the real currency well i no i don't think i don't think reed has another 15 years left right i think that's obstacle number one i mean the other thing to look at would be the fact that you know while you could say in the first five years they may have trying to think of a good way to put it they may have some more regular season success and even i you know the five straight afc championships you could call that i guess more successful overall but i'll still take the three super bowls over the two right i think the rings is really what uh what matters um, but I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that you have to talk about with Brady and Belichick is the fact that, you know, those six Super Bowls got front and back loaded in, in, in their, the, their tenure together, right? Like we went basically like a decade in new England without, uh, another Super Bowl after getting off to that hot start after winning, what was it? Two, uh, or three, three out of four Super Bowls and, and getting crowned, you know, the, the, the dynasty, um, we took 10 years off before we won another Super Bowl, and we needed a miraculous play uh, for that one. So there was a lot of time that things could have started to fall apart. Tensions could have gone high. People could have got frustrated and said, hey, what's going on? Three out of four, and now it's been 10 years, and we haven't won another Super Bowl. What, what, what's the deal here? Um, you know, we talk about, especially during those 10 years, that there were t- tons of blown opportunities, um, you know, even some hubris that, 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 that kept the Patriots from maybe uh, beefing up that roster and getting another Super Bowl or two. Uh, but nevertheless, you, I, I, you have to take that all into consideration. Um, you know, DeReed and Mahomes strike me as the type of guys that are going to fall apart and collapse when the going gets tough. No, they don't. But do does Andy Reid have... 10 years of not winning left in him. You know what I mean? Like, like he's, I think Reed's at the stage of his career where, you know, it's going to be elongated from winning a Super Bowl every other year, every three years. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have 10 years uh, straight without winning. You know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, it's totally. And, And I think you just said this, Reed doesn't have 15 years left. And I think that as Patriots fans and people that, just appreciate what Brady and Belichick did. You have to just step back 
and appreciate the remarkableness of Brady in his prime lining up perfectly with Belichick in his prime as a coach and, and how they were able to keep that together for two decades, I think is one of the untold stories uh, of, that we really don't celebrate enough and, and understandably so, because everything's been such a disaster the last three years, the way everything happened and Belichick pushing Brady out the door, but there's no way that the chiefs and Reed are going to hold that together. Like something is going to happen. Like someone's going to get hurt. Reed's going to retire and the next coach won't be as good. You know, the players around them. I mean, we say it's Reed and Mahomes, but there are some good players on that chiefs team and they've done some good drafting. Can they plug and play like Belichick plugged in guys, you know, from all kinds of crazy places, right? Middle rounds, late rounds, undrafted free agents, and brought all these, you know, unlikely suspects together to to be part of some really good football teams here in New England. Can Reed do that? When, when the Chiefs' core starts deteriorating, can the Chiefs do that? I think that's going to be really, really, really unlikely. So I'm not threatened as a Patriots fan because there is so much that has to go right. And we've seen this story before. Something will go wrong. I mean, you know, the Cowboys dynasty was five to four years and it fell apart. They haven't been back since then. Um, you know, the Niners kept it together a decade. That's amazing. The Steelers won four titles in seven years. They went like 30 years until they won again. You know, something will intervene that will prevent the Chiefs from becoming the Patriots. I don't know what it is, but but it's just common sense. What happened with this Brady-Belichick thing is so remarkable, so historic, so anomalous, that I feel confident it's not going to happen again for a long, long time. But I will say one thing, Justin. The fast start the Chiefs have gotten off to and the the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes and the skill of Andy Reid, that if there's anyone that can push it or scratch the store, the surface, this this really is, and it's kind of crazy how it happened right on top of the Patriots ending and the Chiefs starting right there, right afterwards. But but if anyone can push it, it is going to be this Chiefs di- dynasty, if you will. True, and I mean, look, hey, you know, it may it might not seems so logical but i mean look lebron came right on the heels of jordan right a few years after mj hung it up for good lebron played his first year in the nba right so it's like it's i don't think it's super you know i don't think like it's it's crazy to think that all right like the next the next guy who's up is here right now and they just happen to come one right after another um but i mean am i super super threatened I may be just a little bit more than you. And the reason why I say that is because, like, again, I know this team had a decent offensive line. I know Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends in football. And we know Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But this was a team, other than that, I mean, they had hobbled to, a hobbled-together receiver core, right? Guys that were thrown away by their last teams, Marcus Valdez, Scantlin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius, Tony, right? Guys that were all basically given up on by their teams. Um, they, they they had a, a whole committee of running backs uh, back there. None, no, nobody 
um, you know, a stud to speak of. That defense is pretty much all homegrown. I saw that I think like either nine or, or ten, at least nine, if not ten, of the defensive starters on that team were all drafted by Kansas City. Um, it's a homegrown kind of hobbled together defense with guys that they've just kind of brought into the franchise through the draft. Um, no, no real studs to speak of. I mean, Chris Jones, the defensive lineman, is is pretty good, and that, that that's their best player. They got an aging Frank Clark. I mean, so to see them go out this year and do what they did in what was, I think, a highly competitive AFC field, and then take down what I think was a very good overall football team in the Philadelphia Eagles, and they did that without a lot of star power, without a lot of big names, right? Without you know, home run free agent signings, it makes me think maybe this is a team that can plug and play. Maybe this is a team that if they can win a Super Bowl in what I thought was going to be a down year for the Chiefs, what are they going to do if they go in and in, in hit on a draft pick or two or spend some money in free agency and, and bring in a, a stud pass rusher or a shutdown cornerback? I mean, I think the potential is there for them. Um, as, as the ch- what are the chances that Lightning's going to tri- strike twice? I don't know, but I think they, they have a chance. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, look, it's, it's frighteningly eerily similar to the Patriots dynasty. If you look at like the way this whole thing was structured with the chiefs, where you have like the star all world quarterback, you have the superstar tight end who also happens to wear number 87, by the way. Right. And then you have a bunch of plug and play role pieces around them that are elevated by the brilliance of the quarterback. And we've watched that for how many years in in new England. And like, I think if you, if anyone had any doubt about who the best quarterback, the NFL is, if anyone had any doubt about the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes, you need only look at this postseason run. And I'm going to give you one name that I think really illustrates that. And it's Kadarius Tony. Because Tony was a failure in New York. He was a bust in New York. And he was traded this year before the trade deadline to Kansas City for next to nothing. And he did get hurt a little bit in Kansas City. He didn't play every game. But when he played, he made plays. And even in the Super Bowl, he had big plays. Patrick Mahomes can take someone else's trash and turn it into treasure, just like we saw Tom Brady do, Peyton Manning do, very select few all-time great quarterbacks do. You know, Mahomes did what he did this year with with not a lot around him. And I think it is very similar to the Patriots in that it's just plug and play around him. You know, to take a guy like Kadarius Tony and turn him into something from nothing, I, I really think that that says it all. I mean, you know, there are only so few quarterbacks in the league that, that I think can do that. And, and, and Mahomes is, is the poster boy. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, you know, if you just said, hey, who's the one quarterback in the league you want to face the least? doesn't matter whether it's a regular season game, you know, Playoff game, Super Bowl, whatever. I, I would say it's Patrick Mahomes right now. He, him and those Chiefs have shown that they can win. He's shown that he, he doesn't need an all-star supporting cast. Um, 
and they've shown that you know even just when you think you got them, uh, they can find a way to win a game. And uh, I, you know, that there's really nobody else that you can compare at this point. And I, and I want to make one more point about this, just to tie it back to New England and Patriots fans, and then we're going to talk a little about the Eagles, which is that we had the superstar all-world quarterback for 20 years. Yep. And the Patriots won six Super Bowls in the time. You just hit on something important. There was a 10-year run where they didn't win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is not going to win the Super Bowl. If his career was 15 years, I can promise you, he's not winning the next 15 Super Bowls. There's more than one way to skin a cat. There are going to be other teams that win Super Bowls. The Chiefs are going to lose games in the playoffs, just like the Patriots did. My point is, Patriots fans need to get over the fact that Mac Jones might not be at that level. We're not going to pull the next Patrick Mahomes in the draft this year. We're not going to find him in the sixth round. He's not Bailey Zappi. We have to shift our paradigm, shift our mentality away from that. You know, the Baltimore Ravens were a thorn in the Patriots side, won a Super Bowl, beat this team how many times in Foxborough? You know, with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is no Tom Brady, but he had his moments. The Patriots need to, and the fans need to understand that that this is the Chiefs' turn to have the elite all-world guy. But the Patriots can still be a good team and a competitive team with a good quarterback if they make good choices in the draft, smart signings in free agency, a little bit of luck, bring in the right guys, bring in the right coaches because that's a big piece of what's going on here. It's still achievable for this team to be a really good competitive team, even if they're not the dynasty. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Even, even without being a, an official dynasty, this team is going to be uh, a formidable opponent. You know, whatever team Patrick Mahomes is on will be a formidable opponent for years to we, come. We don't, we don't have to emulate that. We don't have to recreate what happened with Brady and Belichick. It's not going to happen again in New England. It's happening sort of in Kansas City right now. doesn't mean the Patriots can't be a really good team like Baltimore was, like Pittsburgh was, like San Diego was for all those years. You know what I mean? So Patriots need to get over it. All right, let's talk a little bit, Justin, about the Eagles. You know, we talk so glowingly about the Chiefs and – you know, why not? Because that was really a masterful performance in the second half of that game. But part of me walked away from that game thinking that maybe, I don't know, did the better team win the game? You know what I mean? Um, Jalen Hurts with a fluky play, fumble, and a questionable call at the end at a key spot, and two somewhat evenly matched teams, right? The Chiefs were the team that won. I wonder, um, you know, I I walked away from that game saying to myself, how did the Eagles blow this game? Justin, what did the Eagles do to lose that game, a game, a Super Bowl that they really could have, and you might even argue should have won? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, speaking of that call at the end, um, you know, it's just interesting to point out the Chiefs, got two, you know, the AFC championship and the Super Bowl basically came down to uh to two calls that went in their favor, right? Now, I the first one against the Bengals, that was 
irrefutable. It had to be called. You know, the one against the Eagles is questionable, right? Should you have called it, um, et cetera? What happens if if you don't call it? Um, and and I can I can certainly make the argument um, and be convinced that the Eagles were the better team and and are the have the better roster. Um, here's what here's the two things that I think held the Eagles back, right? Jalen Hurts is very talented, but there are only certain quarterbacks who in the biggest of moments can not only make the biggest plays, but can avoid making some of the biggest mistakes, right? And Patrick Mahomes is one of those rare quarterbacks where it seems like, you know, is as much as he's dazzling people and pulling off these 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 incredible wins, you don't see like the inverse where where he goes and blows it in a big game with a a, a key fumble or or a key interception. It's very rare. It's once in a blue moon. Jalen Hurts, as talented as he is, he still hasn't gone out and won that big game, won that big Super Bowl. Right? Showed that he can put on a flawless performance in the biggest moment and put the team on his back. Now, he may have gone out there and had an impressive performance, which he did. I believe he threw for just over 300 yards right in a touchdown. He ran for 70 yards and three touchdowns. But he had two huge turnovers, which wound up costing his team the game. Um, and that's those are not mistakes that you see Patrick Mahomes make. So that's that was the first difference maker. I mean, if, if, if Hertz doesn't fumble the ball those two times, um, you know, the Eagles probably win the game. Uh, the second thing is the Eagles did not make any adjustments. I think they fell victim to the same thing that the 49ers did against the the Chiefs a few years ago. They took a 10-point lead into halftime. They got complacent, and they just said they were going to keep doing the same thing that worked in the first half. And what did the Chiefs do? They used that big old brain of Andy Reid's and Eric Bieniemy. And they went in and they came up for uh, for a plan for the second half. And they went out there and their defense played a little bit better. They were able to move the ball, uh, move the ball a little bit better and put up points. Um, and they ultimately came back and won. So those are the two things. Do, do you me. know what I was saying in the second half of the game, Justin, when I'm watching Andy Reid and like the way that game was coached? And like, I'm no expert, but I think you could really see the rhythm and the mastery of the way Reed designs and calls plays. And as a Patriots fan, I'm looking at, and I'm like, this is what Matt Patricia doesn't know how to do. Right. You you know what I mean? Like you, you just hit on it. Like that was what Reed did was masterful in the second half of that game. And and it, it, you know, it won, I mean, between him and Mahomes and the way, the way those plays were designed. I mean, he, he made a defense that was the best defense in the league look like a JV defense, but what happened to the Eagles defense? We all we heard was how great their defense was all week, all week, all week. You know, you know what other thing I thought of as I'm watching the game? This is a lot like the boogeyman. Okay. The Eagles were feasting on bad competition for weeks yeah. when they finally faced a real quarterback and a real offense. What happened is very similar to what we see with the Patriots, right? Yeah, honestly, I I think that's that's a great comparison. Like, you know, you talk about how the Eagles had such a weak regular season schedule. They had arguably the weakest road ever 
um, to a Super Bowl, they never really got tested. And I think that's that's really what it comes down to. Do I think that defense has a lot of talented players? You bet. Do they think? Do I think they were a good defense? I do. I mean, I think you know you you just look across the board. That's probably one of the best defensive lines in football, if not the best, definitively, just from a personnel standpoint. Um, yet Mahomes, I don't think got sacked once, right? And so, I don't think it was a talent issue. I think it was literally a preparedness issue, and not preparedness in the sense that they didn't practice or study film. Preparedness in the sense that they have not had to go out and stop a Mahomes caliber quarterback almost all year. Certainly not recently. And uh, when you go from, you know, guys like Daniel Jones um, to Patrick Mahomes, you know, good luck making the adjustment. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. And I think, I think guess differently than you, I, I, I make it way simpler than that. The Eagles are not that good on defense as we thought they were. They are not as good as we thought they were, that there was a confluence of circumstances mainly centered around the opposition they faced for a long time that carried through almost the entire regular season into the postseason where they faced two really because of injury in the conference championship game, two of the worst offenses we've ever seen in the postseason. Okay. And they looked like they were the 85 bears, but when it really came down to it, they were paper tigers. The Eagles defense is not that good. They are not that good. Hassan Reddick, he looked like Lawrence Taylor against the 49ers. Where was he? He disappeared. I don't think the Eagles front seven, secondary, that was so vaunted, really is as as great as, as, as we were told they were. They feasted on bad competition for most of the season. And I'm not saying they're a bad defense. I, I think they're a good defense. But much like the boogeyman Patriots, when it really came down to it, they weren't as good as we thought that they were. Yeah, I, c- clearly not. And, uh, you know, it was it was funny. I mean, I expected the Eagles to put up points on the Chiefs. I expected the Chiefs' defense to look real shoddy. Um, but I did not expect the Eagles to struggle like they did. And, you know, I guess like you said, when they're overhyped and they haven't had a real test, I I guess that makes sense that, uh, you know, we saw what we did. Now, you talk about Jalen Hurts, Justin, and I, I feel like, I mean, I thought Hurts played a really good game short of the two turnovers. I th- I, in fact, at times I thought he was dominant. Um, I've kind of all year long been saying that the success of Jalen Hurts gives me hope that Mac Jones can, can can reach the level that Jalen Hurts is at because I felt like in many ways going into the year, they were comparable, comparably regarded around the league, if you will. And then the Eagles brought in Devonta Smith and, you know, AJ Brown and, and, and stacked offensive line and, and Jalen Hurts thrived. But watching that Super Bowl and just some of the plays and the throws that Jalen Hurts made, I don't know. You know, I, I couldn't help but wonder, you know, can Mac Jones get to that level? Um, is the Jalen Hurts story, Justin, a – should it give hope to Patriots fans that that 
Mac Jones can be elevated, much like Jalen Hurts was, um, to a Super Bowl level? Or is Jalen Hurts just simply a really talented player, more talented than Mac Jones? I, I, I think both statements have uh, a certain degree of truth to them, right? Like, I mean, look, you know, you look at you you look at uh, the Eagles and what they did, and you're exactly right. You put a good offensive line and some good weapons uh, in front of your quarterback, and you're going to see an uptick in production. There's no two ways about it, right? Um, but by the same token, I look at Jalen Hurts and I see intangibles that I I don't see in Mac Jones, right? I Mac, you know, J- Jalen Hurts, I see. Um, j- just the physicality, like h- him as an athlete, right? His body, like he, he, the way, the way he plays through injury, that, that, that to me, I think, I think he's tough. I think he has a stronger arm. Uh, he's obviously a better uh, runner. And from everything I've seen from Jalen Hurts, even in the post game interviews, he seems to have a real unshakable uh, confidence in um, just solid leadership mentality. I, I think him. you're hitting on it because I actually will disagree. A little bit. I, I mean, I think Mac has a better arm than Jalen Hurts. I don't think Hurts throws the ball great, but it's the intangibles, right? Jalen Hurts is like the CEO, and he's unflappable, right? I mean, that's I think what distinguishes him from Mac right now, for sure. And I mean, look, you, you can all you, like you said, you you can point to the fact that they're they, they're a different style quarterback, right? Jalen Hurts is obviously more of a mobile threat. He's a better athlete, right? He's he's bigger and stronger. Um, so, you know, from from that aspect, they'll kind of never be the same player. But I do. I just, you know, with Mac, I question the maturity and the leadership and the temperament. And with Jalen Hurts, I, I see Mr. Cool, Calm, and Collected. Now, it's obviously easier to stay cool, calm, and collected when you have a stacked offensive line and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, right? But Exactly. You, but, you just nailed it. But. You, you know what I mean? So, yes, Jalen Hurts has that going for him. But the, if I look at it overall, I don't have those questions with Jalen Hurts. I still have those questions with Mac. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and don't forget, Hurts is a year beyond Mac in his career. I mean, this is Hurts' third year. Mac finishes second. Nobody was saying what we're saying about Jalen Hurts now, last year. The Eagles surrounded him with tremendous talent, and now he's become, you know, you know, he had a tremendous success this year, borderline MVP candidate. I I wonder if, you know, can Matt get to that level? I, I think that's what we're going to see. But regardless of what Mac Jones is, I hope that the take home is that, you know, short of you got Patrick Mahomes or Brady or Manning, you're going to have to surround your quarterback with talent to get the best out of him. And, and, and the Patriots really need to put an emphasis on that this offseason. Justin, one more thought about the game, because we haven't actually talked about the call yet. Yeah. Um, call at the end of the game, your thoughts on the call heard around the world, holding call that, that may or may not have actually been holding call. What do you think? Well, for starters, you know, when the guy who they call the penalty against, James Bradbury, comes out after the game and just blatantly says – you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. 
It was a hold. I was hoping they didn't. They, they weren't going to call it, but they did. It was a hold. Um, you know, it's tough to feel differently. But that, with that being said, um, just from a fan perspective, whether that was the right call or not in, in the game, it appears as if you know it may have been, and if even some of the players think it may have been. Um, but you hate to see a game end like that, especially the Super Bowl. Um, it was just such a good back and forth game. It was really anybody's game the entire time. You really wanted to see what Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have had in them as far as like a potential game winning two minute drive. Um, and again, you just hate to you hate to see it all come down to a call. But I mean, it really didn't just come down to that call. It may have in the moment, but obviously there's a lot of plays. There was a lot of game that happened before that. Um, but you know. I don't I don't like seeing the refs make that decision. It's not like it was in Cincinnati where it was so egregious where you had to call it. I mean, yes, it may have been the right call, but I think at that point you have to swallow your whistle. Um, you know, I think of a similar play last year um, uh, against the, I forget the guy's name, but the linebacker in the Bengals um, against the, the Rams, which wound up, um, you know, ultimately winning the Rams, the, the, the game in the last drive. Um, you know, you see stuff like that. You hate to see it as a fan, even if it's the right call. Um, but again, it's, it's tough to be mad when you got the player coming out and saying that was the right call. See, I disagree. I think Bradbury was taking the high road. What choice does he have, right? Is he going to be there? He's going to be that guy that's sitting there complaining about the refs after losing the Super Bowl. So of course he takes the high road. It's exactly what I would do. It was the right thing to do, the smart thing to do. Bottom line is, guarantee you, you're, you're Bradbury's best friend sitting down having a beer with him tonight. He's telling you his real thoughts, which is that that call was total BS. And it was. It was a BS call. Can't make that call. Ref has to be consistent, Justin. They cannot call the game different in the final minute than they call it in the first 59 minutes. And I'm sorry, they weren't calling that all night. Of course, it was technically a hold. He had his hand on him. Guess what? You could call that on pretty much almost every passing play. You could call offensive holding on almost every running or passing play. I guarantee you, if you if that was your standard for calling penalties, we'd have 40 penalties a game. That's a call that cannot be made in that spot. It was completely out of context. To sit there and fall back on technically by the book, it was a hold. That's like putting people in jail for five years because they're jaywalking. OK, we don't go hand out, put people in prison because because they're jaywalking or because they park illegally. I mean, you know, we have to be consistent in how we apply the law, how we apply the rules that did not happen here. This was totally out of context. Shame on the NFL for letting this happen. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible call that robbed us of what would have been a good ending for the Super Bowl. The Chiefs probably still win that game. Okay, that a lot had to go right for the Eagles to get back into that game. Nonetheless, I sure would have liked to have seen it, and I think it was just very poor officiating. Yeah, I so I I, I think we can agree on that. I think we can agree whether it was the right or wrong call. You hate to see it happen. You hate to see a game decided that way, especially at the uh, the highest level. Absolutely. No question about it. I mean, who, I mean, you know, the real tragedy of the call, to be honest with you, is that 
the Chiefs probably still win that game regardless. And what really happened is it took away from what the Chiefs did. The morning after the Super Bowl, we're all talking about this idiotic call, this terrible call. As you alluded to, that's not why the Eagles lost the game. The Eagles lost this game because their defense fell apart in the second half, and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes put on a master class in offensive coaching and offensive and quarterback play. That's what did it. Three straight touchdown drives in the second half. Okay, that's why the Eagles lost the game. Their defense fell apart. That's why the Eagles lost the game. They didn't lose the game because of the call, but yet we're all talking about this call a couple days after the Super Bowl, still discussing it. Why? Because, because it detracts from what the Chiefs did. The Chiefs won that game on the field. What they did was remarkable. And, and it should be the focus of, of, of what was an amazing Super Bowl game. Because I think it was an entertaining, amazing game. And yet here we are once again talking about the, the officials that just can't keep their flags in the pocket when it counts, okay? And by the way, for the AFC Championship game, I was 100% in agreement with the call on Mahomes because it was it was blatant. Same. That's going to get called 100% of the time and should get called in today's NFL. This was different. Yes. No, I I, 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 I can back that. And like you said, the, the one in, against Cincinnati, there was no option. Like the it would have been way more egregious for the ref to to keep the whistle in his pocket at that point, right? So, um, so yeah, I mean, hey, look, it uh, it's it it sucks to see it come down to it, um, and I think you're right. I think the biggest tragedy of the whole thing is the fact that it's overshadowing just exactly how the Chiefs won the game because, like we said, it came down to way more than that last play. I mean, exactly, and and, and I'll tell you right now, like I don't feel. Like, I can say the Eagles deserved to win that game, okay, based on what they did in the second half of that game, okay? You can't let the Chiefs, with a 10-point lead, come up and move the ball at will on your supposedly top-of-the-league defense and say that you deserve to win that game. The Eagles did not deserve to win that game based on the way they collapsed, even though, like I said, at times I felt like they might've been the better team. When you melt down like that, you deserve to lose and the Eagles deserve to lose. But I just would have liked to have walked away from that game feeling like it was fair and square. And and I really didn't, I really didn't based on what happened. Yeah. Uh, Let's um, go ahead, bud. No. Yeah. I I was just going to say, and I think everybody in America wanted to see a Jalen hurts potential, game-winning drive right like that would have just been would have been awesome of course they did of course that we all wanted to see that it would have been climactic I mean, 38 to 35 a minute and 20 and two timeouts left yeah and, and you're getting the ball i mean that's like the stuff dreams are made of it's brady-esque right for his first drive that was robbed robbed from all of us for a call that was questionable questionable at its very best it was an absolute travesty absolute sin um that this happened and the nfl just cannot get this officiating thing right you know i don't know what it is it just 
I know it's hard to officiate football games. I get it. It just feels like there are way too many times where we're walking away from these games, even big games, even Super Bowl games, two years in a row, and, and we're saying that was a terrible call that really influenced the game. Justin, let's talk a little bit about some stuff around the league right now. Um, I think we got to start with Aaron Rodgers. A um, lot of speculation that Rodgers is going to be out in Green Bay. I believe he does still have a year left on his contract. Where should Aaron Rodgers play? Where will he end up? Yeah, look, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers should go to the same place that I thought Tom Brady should go if he was going to come back. And, and and that's the New York Jets. I mean, this is a team that is one quarterback away uh, from, from being able to contend for a division and Super Bowl title. I mean, they have a stacked defense, a stacked offense, right, on all layers, offensive line, uh, running backs, uh, uh, wide receivers, right? This this is a good team. They're also a young team, too, um, and they have a great head coach that I, I, I'm a big fan. I may be a little higher on him than you, but I'm a big fan of Robert Sala. I know a lot of the players like him. He, he, he's, he's a great players coach. Well, I love Robert Sala, Justin. I love Robert Sala. All right, so, yeah, so, we're, so we're on the same page with that. So... So, I just think he totally botched the quarterback thing, but I think you would agree with that. Like he stuck with Zach Wilson way too long and it killed him, ruined his season. He should have made the playoffs. But I mean, I think I think he's a good young coach. hundred percent. And you know what? Look, when when you when you're the Jets and you just got rid of a former uh number two overall pick for another number two overall pick, um, there's probably a little bit more pressure on him than uh, you know, when we forget about it to uh, to see if he can get the most out of Zach Wilson before they kick him to the curb um, and move on. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's got to had to affect why, you know, why he stuck with him as long as he did, or at least you hope that was the reason why, right? He, you know, they needed to get the definitive, all right, this isn't our guy. We got to move on. Um, but no, I think Rodgers would be a great fit because it's a team that's ready to, to, to win now. Right. It, and, you know, with, with, the amount of time I think left in Rogers, um, you know, his, his personal career, I think it's the perfect scenario to bring someone like Rogers in on a, on a two year deal and then draft the next guy, uh, to, and let him sit under Rogers for, for a year or two. Um, and see, see if you can hit on, hit on somebody in the draft. I just think it'd be a good fit for him. Um, you know, get him out of the NFC. Be, I think it'd be another great quarterback to add to the NFC. Right. Uh, sorry to the AFC, um, and I just think they're the most ready to win now team. I'll tell you what, if not, if not there, right? You know, you talk about maybe a uh, maybe a San Francisco, maybe somebody who needs desperately needs a uh, a solid a solid quarterback. But I think both teams are in a similar boat. I think they're both very talented, good coaches, and uh, are, are a quarterback away from being a contender. What about the Raiders, Justin? I mean, I think I know they don't have the great defense, but I think Devontae Adams, Josh McDaniels, they got some great weapons. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Rodgers in the with 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 the Vegas Raiders. No, I wouldn't. It's not that I'd mind seeing them out there, but until this, especially given the division that this Raiders team is is in, right? You got to compete with the the Super Bowl champs. You got the Chiefs. You got the Chargers. Um, you have the Broncos, who you know maybe they'll be able to turn it around with Sean Payton. Um, you're in a very tough division and the Raiders have no defense to speak of. Um, and outside of a couple of weapons, you know, they're really a skeleton of, of a team. 
So it's not that I would mind seeing him go there, but I don't think it represents his best chance to win. Can I be, can I be like totally being totally honest? The, the combination of Aaron Rodgers and the New York jets as a Patriots fan, that frightens me. That frightens me because I think that would make the Patriots far and away the worst team in the division. Yeah. Heading into at this, you're right. Like, let's face it. Like, you put Aaron Rodgers on that Jets team. The Miami made the playoffs. The Bills are still going to be right in it next year. Patriots would be the worst team in the AFC East if 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 um Rodgers goes to just. They may still be the worst team in the AFC East, by the way. Right. But certainly they 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 would be if Rodgers goes to the Jets. Um, does Rodgers? have the value that we all think he does he's 39 years old he's become a strange guy like i know he's super talented he's probably coming off one of his worst years as a pro understand the skill position talent wasn't that great out in green bay last year but does this guy have the value that we all think he does i I question if maybe He's not quite if we as a football public are overrating a little bit his value to most NFL franchises. Well, I I see what you're saying, and I don't want to make it sound like Aaron Rodgers is gonna come in and win a Super Bowl wherever he goes or, you know, is 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 still is still like a top two, three quarterback in the league because he, he very well may not be coming into this next year. But I think what he does represent is a better is, – is a proven option with more upside than what a lot of these teams that we're talking about currently have. You know what I mean? You look at what the Jets currently have. You look at what – the the Raiders, the 49ers, the 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 Colts, the Panthers, like team teams that are in need of a quarterback. Like you look at what those teams currently have, and Aaron Rodgers represents a significant upside. So I don't want to overvalue him, but I don't want to undervalue what he would bring to a team that's been getting by with what they've been getting by with at the quarterback position. The other thing is, too, I mean, look, like, I know he's older. I know he's almost, you know, looked a little dejected. But guess who else looked a little old and dejected and like he was potentially at the end of his career before he went on to play three more years and win a Super Bowl? And, you you know what I mean? That was Tom Brady. And now Aaron Rodgers isn't Tom Brady, but he's certainly very talented. And I think we consider him one of the better quarterbacks um, of the last two decades. So... I'd be willing to. I'd, I'd be willing to take a shot on him. I mean, it's it's ironically similar to when the Jets took a shot on Brett Favre at the end of his, of his career. Right. And oh, by the way, they they won the division that year. That was two thousand and eight. Yeah. The year Brady Brady was hurt. So, look, the Jets would be a better team if Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback. Uh, I'm not disputing that. I just think that. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think you could make a really great argument that Rodgers has just been a little overrated over the years, and and maybe he's not quite as terrific as as we thought he was. I mean, at the end of the day, Justin, you look at the body of work. 
he's a great he's he's an all I'll, I'll concede he's a great quarterback i'll even concede he's an all-time great quarterback i don't think he he belongs in the top top echelon uh with one super bowl in 15 years just my personal two cents he's 39 years old he's on the decline he's a weird guy you know i don't know i i think the jets the jets may take a shot on him because what else are they going to do they're not bringing zach wilson back they got no one else but you know it, it will work if he goes to New York, but, but, but I just don't think he's, he's the, I don't think he's the the franchise savior that a lot of fans and media suggest he is. What about um, Derek Carr, Justin cut today by the Raiders? Yeah. What's his value? Um, is he going to be a starting quarterback next year? I mean, look, m- what my opinion is in what, is going to happen in reality are probably two different things. I mean, in my opinion, this is a guy that I wouldn't want to touch with the 10 foot pole to be my next franchise quarterback. I would be ecstatic to have Derek Carr as my backup. He'd be one of the best backups, if not the best backup in the league, I'd be thrilled. But do I think he's going to step into a, a, a New York or a, or an Indianapolis or a San Francisco or, or, or Carolina or somewhere in and make them a Super Bowl contender? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oakland isn't what made Derek Carr a talented loser. He is a talented loser, and his effect was felt in Oakland, and I think it's going to be felt wherever he goes. Um, I could be wrong, but this is not a guy that I'd be targeting. You know, it strikes me like he's going to find himself in like a like a Carson Wentz, um, Philip Philip Rivers type of type of situation, right? Where he comes somewhere and is he's used as like a bridge quarterback on a team that you know can maybe make the playoffs. Um, but if you're planning on this guy being a long term solution, good luck. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that any NFL franchise could look at Derek Carr and what we know that he is, and say. That guy is our solution at quarterback. If we could just take this awesome team we've built and plug in Derek Carr, we're going to be a Super Bowl contender. We're going to be better off as a franchise than we were last year with him. I don't think any NFL franchise is going to say that. I think you might see a couple bottom-of-the-barrel franchises bring in Carr because quite frankly, they don't have a better option. Right. But I think your ceiling is well defined with Derek Carr as your quarterback. And I think that is you're not winning a Super Bowl in best case scenario, you're a borderline playoff team. Yeah. I, I think I you, think go ahead. 100%. Go no, ahead. I was just gonna say I think I think you're hundred percent right. I think that's that's what you are at best with him, a borderline playoff team. I, I think he is best served right now as a backup quarterback. And I think that a legitimate Super Bowl team, like a car, you know, like the teams we just watched play the last few weeks, very well could bring him in as a backup. And I think that if Derek Carr is your backup, you you feel pretty good about where you are. If you're, if you're that kind of team, if you're the, I don't know, the Bengals or you're, you know, the um, I don't know, uh, I could go on the Chargers. You know, you bring in Derek Carr and he's your backup and, and your quarterback goes down. I mean, that's that's a great plan B, but right. 
but but there's but 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 he is not a real leg- legitimate starting quarterback right now uh, in the NFL. What about Jimmy Garoppolo, Justin? Um, where does he end up? I was really shocked. Where does Jimmy end up? Week. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan definitively just closing closing the door. You know. Yeah. Um. See, here's here's the thing about Jimmy is I just I still and I've said it before I still don't have a read on him as as far as what his potential is, and I say that for a few reasons. We've seen him be super successful and win games as a starter, but we've seen him lose the Super Bowl. We've seen him lose some big games. We've seen him um uh be injury prone, right? In it's just it's 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 a tale of two quarterbacks with Jimmy. You know what I mean? Like you can point to all these stats that make it sound like that he definitely should be, you know, a, a hot commodity. And then I think about things and I'm like, well, you know, when when I put it into perspective, just is Jimmy G a little overblown? Is he a little overvalued and a little overhyped? Um, I don't. I I still don't have a good read on him. What I will say is that I'd rather Jimmy G over Derek Carr. That's Hundred percent certain. Um, I do still think Jimmy deserves another shot, unlike Derek Carr, as a starting quarterback. Um, and and I think there's a market for him. But well, well, Jimmy G has shown that he can get deep into the postseason. Derek Carr hasn't, right? Like, correct. Right. Jimmy G got to a Super Bowl. He got to a conference championship game. You can say he lost, but let's face it, it's a funny shaped ball. One play, one way or the other, either one of those games, he he could have easily won. Jimmy G could have easily won a Super Bowl in 2019. Easily yeah. could have happened. So Derek Carr has never even sniffed that. So I agree. I would take Jimmy G over Carr in a second. The thing you have to consider, I mean, when you're talking Jimmy G, look, is he Tom Brady or or or, or, or at that level? Of, of course not. But can you win a Super Bowl with him? Yeah, I think you can. But this is the wild card with him. He gets hurt every freaking year, and he right. won't play injured. You know, this is a guy that will sit out. Brady would play if his arm was hanging off. Right. I mean, you can't tell me Brady didn't have some gruesome injuries that we, the football-viewing public, never even knew about because that guy just went out and played and kept it quiet. Yeah. I guarantee you it happened multiple times in his career. Jimmy G will sit out for six weeks. 100%. Um and again, that's that's why I say, given all of those things, I still don't know what my verdict on Jimmy G is. I he, I think he has the potential to go in either direction. He has the potential to be a franchise starter that could potentially win you a Super Bowl. He has a potential to be another Derek Carr. And I I just I don't I can't make the call yet. But I do think, like you said, I do think he's done enough to deserve a chance and prove that he is at least worthy of being a starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. I, I think it'll be interesting to see because like the other piece of that is like, you know, I, I wonder what Jimmy G's value, like what kind of contract would, is he even going to command? You know, I, I think if you look at it and, and I'm just going to throw one team out there that, that, that has to make a decision on quarterback. And like, if I'm the New York giants, Right. And I'm faced with potentially paying Daniel Jones $20 million. Why not bring in a quarterback like Jimmy G and, and, and probably get him for like half the price, right? 
and draft the next guy. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think there are a lot of franchises out there that that would look at Jimmy G and say, you know what, I'll take a shot on this guy because he actually is an upgrade, uh, you know, you know, for me, for us versus what we have currently. Um, I want to talk a little, Justin, before we wrap it up about the Denver Broncos. They hired Sean Payton yeah. as their head coach. Really got off to a kind of a contentious start with Russell Wilson, some of the public comments that were made at the beginning. Is the Sean Payton-Russell Wilson marriage going to work? And, oh, by the way, Denver traded another first-round yeah. pick to bring in Sean Payton, which is crazy because they're just totally, totally eschewing the draft in every way, almost taking a Rams-like approach. Very much so, yep. It's kind of interesting what's going to happen with that Denver franchise, I feel like. Oh, I mean, this is an organization, you know, we talked about how the pressure was on the Rams to win after everything they did um, and how they more, you know, they, again, just uh, just completely disregarded the draft and in, in, in their future. Um, Denver has done the same thing. They've gotten rid of all of their draft picks. They've gotten rid of young talent, guys like Noah Fant and Shelby Jackson. They have spent all their money on Russell Wilson and now dropping a bag in another first round of Sean Payton, like you said. Um, I can't think of another team that has as much pressure and has risked more um, and put all their eggs in one basket than uh, than the Denver Broncos. Now, do I think it's going to work out? I'll just be honest. No, I don't. I think if there was a guy that could do it, it's Sean Payton. But it's not going to work out, and, and I'll tell you why. I, and, I, and this is coming from someone who, co- going into this year, was very high on Russell Wilson um, and his prospects as a Bronco. In this Denver Broncos team, if you remember, I think I picked him to win the AFC um, preseason. So the reason why I say it's not going to work out is because the more and more I learn about Russell Wilson, the more and more that gets that, that comes to public light um, and you know you see everything and you take everything all in in totality, this is a guy who was coddled and babied in Seattle by Pete Carroll and the coaching staff. This was a guy who was unaccessible in the locker room, right? Teammates like Richard Sherman talk about the fact that nobody had his phone number. You wanted to get in touch with Russell. Your quarterback, your your leader, you had to go through his agent, right? Not even his receivers have his damn phone number. Um, this is a guy who's got his own private coaching staff. Um, he, again, is another weird dude. Um, I almost wonder if he's so far gone, you know, just as as a competitor, and as a person, that if it's even going to matter if you bring in um, a new coach, he, he it just well, this, be, is, this you know? is what I think, and I, I kind of agree with you, Justin. But I think that the football viewing public looks at the Sean Payton hire and said this is a move to get the most out of Russell Wilson. But I would say that I my feeling, and I could be wrong, is that to me this is a five year rebuild, and I think that you bring in someone like Sean Payton to clean house completely and move forward as a franchise. And it's probably going to take a couple of years for Denver to fix the mess that, that, that they have right now. But I don't just from the tone of like with the way Sean Payton, did you hear how he was talking about Russell Wilson and have Wilson and having his own coach? And yeah. How that oh, yeah. Was he was like, Oh yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. He's like, that's not happening. Exactly. Like it just doesn't feel like, like, 
Sean Payton is, is really like, and what we saw last year was so bad. And it just does not feel like that, that, that this is going to be a marriage that, that works out the Peyton Wilson thing. And I feel like, you know, I feel like maybe Russell Wilson's future is not in Denver. And you can go back to the podcast and you can listen to the preseason episode when the Broncos signed Russell Wilson. And even though I know you were bullish on Denver, I also remember that we both agreed that that was a huge mistake because why would you make a four-year $230 commitment to a guy that you really didn't know if he was even going to be successful in your system, your players, hadn't had a great year the year before. It was such a foolish decision. And maybe the worst, most one-sided trade, I, I don't even think maybe, probably the most one-sided trade since Herschel Walker, which set up the Cowboys dynasty, by the way. You know, the 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 Broncos are screwed. They really are. And I think Peyton is in for the long haul. I think this is a several year rebuild. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, which is funny because, you know, you think about the whole reason why Sean Payton wanted out of new Orleans was because he, he didn't want to go through a rebuilds once drew Brees left. Right. So, I mean, I, whether it's, you know, the fact that hey, a, a certain numbers in a check can change a person's mind or, you know, who knows, but I, I, I didn't anticipate him coming in wanting to rebuild a franchise, you know, I, I think if anything, it was a, hey, we're going to pay you handsomely to, like you said, salvage and get the most we can out of this crappy situation that we've stuck ourselves in that we really don't have a way out of. You know, the Broncos almost put themselves in a situation where the only way to to hope to get out of their situation was to double down and trade away another first-round pick and spend more money because bringing in someone like Sean Payton was the only thing that had a chance to correct the near future. Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't dislike... Russell Wilson as 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 a player, I don't dislike the Broncos organization, um, but at this point, I think I I've just seen enough. I've seen enough to know that, um, you know, guys like that that have that attitude, that mentality, that like holier than thou, above the team, special treatment type of attitude. Those aren't glue guys. Those aren't guys that your team rally around. Uh, you know, when when the tough gets going, those aren't guys that that dig deep. Um, in, in, in find ways to, to turn around a situation. Um, so, you know, I, I'm very skeptical. I, I, I wish them the Justin, best. You but... can get away with, you get away with that stuff when you're the man, when you're the franchise quarterback. Okay. Yeah. The problem is Wilson is not that guy anymore. And, and we said this at the time, you don't teams don't trade franchise quarterbacks for anything. Russell Wilson was in the decline you can clearly see it if you watch the Seahawks the last two years he was there. Russell Wilson could be a weirdo, oddball, screwball, nutcase, whatever. If he's a great quarterback and it works on the field, nobody is going to be complaining about anything. The reason why this fell apart is because Russell Wilson is in the decline. That that That's it. It's really that simple. He's not a good quarterback or as good a quarterback as he used to be. Anymore. I love Russell Wilson. He was one of my favorite players in the league. Not everyone's game ages great. Not everyone makes it to 44, 45 like Brady did. Cam Newton was an MVP quarterback. We saw what he was three years ago. He retired officially this year as well. Not every single quarterback is going to age gracefully. Sometimes 34, 35, 
that's when they fall off the cliff. That's what happened with him. That's what happened with Wilson. And um, he is going to be an absolute anchor around the neck of that franchise for the next three to five years. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's going to be an interesting situation to, to watch unfold, but I got to say, if you are one of those people who has high expectations for the Broncos and Sean Payton next year, I, I think you're sadly mistaken. Just my, just my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree, Justin. I, I think, I think, I think they, go, I think they clean house. I, I think they, I think they trade talent for draft picks. Um, I think they do what they can to get rid of Wilson. Um, they might be stuck with him for a year or two, but I think they have to draft or bring in a, someone young quarterback to, to try and develop. And um, it, it might be a several year process, but, but I agree with you that team, that team is not going to be good this year. Um, briefly, Justin, before we wrap it up, uh, let's talk uh, Patriots and Patriots free agency and Patriots off season quickly. Um, NFL free agency, begins when does nfl free agency begin this year justin it looks like it starts on march 15th which is exactly one month away from today Mm. um that's when the off season will really start to heat up what are your thoughts about how the patriots should approach this off season well i mean look if you're the patriots i think the holes were were very clear right you you already went out and you plugged one of them you needed an offensive coordinator that was that was a big one, right? Now let's let's uh, you know you, you brought in your offensive coordinator, you secured Gerard Mayo, you got Bill Belichick coming back, um, so you've you've made some steps, right? But let's look at that personnel. I mean, you need to make some moves in the offensive line. You need to bring in a weapon or two um, for, for for Mac Jones. You know, uh, as far as the defense goes, I mean, I, I am pretty complacent with the defense. You know, I don't think you need to do a hell of a whole lot there. Like, yeah, you could always could always use another edge rusher or, or shut down cornerback, but I do think that's a defense that can win games. My concern's on the offensive side. I want more help for Mac Jones in every way possible. I want better receivers, and I want a better line. Yeah, I want to read you some stats. Uh that, that came out this week. I don't know if you saw these. Mac Jones was the NFL's fifth highest grade passer in 2022 when he had a clean pocket. Okay. He trailed only Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and actually Trevor Lawrence. Okay. His big time throw percentage from a clean pocket was second in the NFL behind only Josh Allen. And he actually had one of the lowest turnover rates in the NFL this year from a clean pocket. When Mac Jones was not under duress, which was unfortunately not much this year, he was actually a really good quarterback. People forget he had a very bad start. He actually finished the year reasonably well. Okay. Mm -hmm. There was a run there where he had like maybe, I think what he, 11 touchdowns and five picks or something in the last eight or nine games. Not great respectable and remember that includes three picks in buffalo at the end of the game there a couple desperation heaves the data is telling us even in this terrible lousy year that when you protect mac jones he actually performed well compared to his peers so what do you have to do when you look at this you have to go out and get offensive linemen it has to be the priority 
I'd love for the Patriots to, to hit on a big receiver in the draft, to trade for a big receiver. They've got $35 million in cap room. They've got one first-round pick, one second-round pick, a bunch of mid-round picks. They only have the resources to fill so many holes this offseason. I feel like the priority has to be offensive line, offensive line, offensive line tackle. Protect Mac Jones. Maybe you can bring in a weapon. I think you still can. I don't think you're going to be able to go out and get a Pro Bowl, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown type player this year. And I'm kind of okay with that, but but they absolutely have to get linemen to protect Mac Jones. Yeah, I I agree. I, I would if if we're looking at the, the two positions, right, the offensive line or the or, or the skill set uh, skill players, I definitely would address the offensive line first. I, I I and again, I'm someone who, while I acknowledge that they're lacking, I think there's enough there in the receiving room and tight end room and in running back room to get the job done behind a good offensive line. I agree with that. I mean, and, and maybe, maybe not, you know, to be the 2000 Rams or something, you know, the 2007 Patriots, but to have a, a good offense that can take you deep into the playoffs. I th- I think, I think they're, you know, I mean, look, do I love the wide receivers? No, but I just watched the chiefs win a super bowl with, with absolute mediocrity at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, granted they have Pat Mahomes as their quarterback, but I think this team can improve. I'm not saying they'll be the Chiefs and win a Super Bowl, but my point is they can improve if they just improve the offensive line. Now, my opinion, and we'll talk more about this as it gets closer, because we'll record next, right before free agency. I would walk away from Jacoby Myers. I don't think he's that great of a player. I don't want to commit much of my cap to him. He's a mediocre player picks up a lot of low hanging fruit because there's no one else on this offense. I don't think he's explosive. I don't think he's dynamic, not fooled by he's productive. I give him credit, but, but I'm not paying that guy 10, 12, $14 million a year, you know, let someone else do it. So I'd rather than bring in some speed in the slot. Um, so someone that can make plays dynamic. Um, that's my feeling and, and, and fix the offensive line. Okay, Justin, last question. We'll get more into what the pages should do when we get to the free agency preview episode and we look more at the offseason. But last couple questions here. February 15th this weekend is like the black hole of the sports calendar, Justin. No football. Mm-hmm. No football for six months to preseason, seven months to regular season. What are you going to do this weekend? <laughs> Uh, well, on Sunday, I'll, I'll tell you this weekend, I'm going to try to do a whole lot of nothing. Um, but look, yeah, no, the first couple Sundays are always, uh, always super tough after football season. Like you said, especially, um, you know, towards the end of winter, um, when, you know, you, especially when you start waiting for spring and the, and the warmer weather, um, I will say saving grace right now up here in Boston is the fact that we got two very good teams, uh, to, to look forward to, right? We got the Bruins and the Celtics. Um, and while they may not be on every Sunday, you can definitely as a sp- uh, Boston sports fan, hang your hat on them right now. Um, and I, th- I, I think they'll make things interesting for the next couple months. I mean, they're, they're a huge saving grace. And I, I think it's great that the NFL season carries to mid February. now. I mean, because, you know, like we're really not that far from March madness 
and from the time of year when NHL and NBA really starts to heat up, which is good because when the NFL season ended in like the third week of January, right. you know, it's like a long, it's a long void until mid March, you know, now, Hey, we're not that far away, but these are just um, not the best sports time of the year. This is the worst sports time of the year. Um, from the end of the Super Bowl to the start of March Madness, you know, we're very lucky that both the Bruins and Celtics are interesting. So I think that lessens the blow this year. And I think they're, I think both teams, frankly, are, are facing a lot of challenges, um, even though they're really great teams. Um, and they seem to be coming both the crossroads in their schedule. You know, the Bucks are right on the Celtics' heels. Uh, the Bruins had caught a little bit of a losing streak before the All-Star break. Now they're playing a little better. Um Oh, they split games. They split two games since they came back. So you know, it 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 should be okay. I think this year, but but it's definitely not the same. At the same time, yeah, no, for sure. Um, but I mean, hey, we're at least we're lucky that we can go into this next season with a little bit of hope. We 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 brave this off season at least looking forward to the 2023 NFL season. And there's definitely some organizations who I don't think feel the same way. So, at the end of the day, at least we got something to look forward to. Well, you know, and I'll leave this cuz we're this is sort of like our final episode of this season and, and we will continue to record. You know, I think we're going to we're not obviously we don't record weekly in the off season, but we will record less frequently building up to the regular season. But I think, you know, the one take home I would say going into the off season is this is fixable in one off season. It's not a guarantee this team will be a Super Bowl contender next year. A lot has to go right. This is not the Carolina Panthers. This is not um, the Arizona Cardinals. This is not, I mean, any number of franchises where I feel like there are two, three seasons, the Denver Broncos, you know, multiple years away. If the Patriots play their cards right this offseason, and I think they've already started to do that in a major way, bringing in Bill O'Brien, this is fixable. Yeah, a hundred percent. We we have a we have a foundation. That's what we have. We have a foundation, and uh, we have some pieces, and that's more than a lot of other teams can say right now. And like you said, it's a long offseason, um, but we have things to stay positive about any final thoughts justin on the 2022-23 nfl season i uh, no, but you know i just think it's very it's almost poetic justice that you know coming into a year where so many teams were hyped you know we had a lot of moves in the last off season um you know people were talking about just how stacked the afc was oh this is the best the afc's ever been you can't pick a division winner you can't even pick the the the, the seven teams that are going to make the playoffs it's it's anyone's game and then you saw how how strong some of those nfc teams were with you know dallas and philly and and in the 49ers um and it's just so fitting that in a year where it was really up in the air it was anybody's year um the, the afc looked stacked in the chiefs wound up coming away with it. I think it was just almost poetic justice. And especially when they didn't have the best roster for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's a great point. And I mean, it's funny you go back to the preseason and, and like you said, we were all so enamored with how strong and deep the AFC was, you know, things always happen. And some, a lot of times it's just like when you, the schedule comes out in April, 
and you go game by game, you're like, oh, that's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a tough game. That's going to be an easy game. And there's always a couple you're wrong about, you know, like you think that team's going to be good and they're not. You think the team's going to be bad and, and they actually end up being good. Um, it, it's kind of, it's kind of the same thing. I think with the way this season played out, we all thought the AFC was so stacked. Well, at the end of the day, look, a lot of those teams didn't really work out as well as we thought they might. The chargers were kind of mediocre. Um, the, the Browns were dud. The Broncos were, I mean, beyond a dud, you know, and, and it's just kind of the way it always goes. If you really look back historically, so um, it's a strong conference. I, I do think I do think the balance of power is maybe slightly tilted to the AFC now, but but it is not so far out of balance. I mean, there was a run like when I was a kid when I f- first started being a fan. The NFC won like I think there was something like twelve consecutive Super Bowls from like the mid '80s to the late '90s. Hmm. I mean, literally, you know, there was just NFC outright domination right. of the AFC. Um, it's nothing like that now. It, it's it's more or less even. And I think as much as it feels like, oh, the, the, the this is, you know, the Patriots are going to have an uphill battle. The reality is, you know, opportunities will always be there if you build your team right. right. Yeah. No, I agree. That was a uh, overall a good 2023 season. I, I, I enjoyed it just like I've enjoyed every other NFL season. And, uh, or sorry, 2022 NFL season, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, 2023 for sure. Well, as I said a few weeks ago, Justin, it was and not a great season for the Patriots. Eight and nine didn't make the playoffs, but it was an entertaining season. It held our interest. They were competitive to the end. There was a lot to look at, a lot to talk about, a lot to be interested in. At the end of the day, that's all you can ask for as a fan. You're not going to win the Super Bowl any year, every year. This is entertainment, and and it was an entertaining season. And, and I can certainly say, and I think you just alluded to this and agree with me, I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. For sure. For sure. We appreciate you all uh, keeping up with us uh, in Dr. Football. No doubt about it, and we look forward to it. We'll be back in a few weeks with a, with a, with a, a free agency preview episode. We want to thank everyone that listened not only to this episode but all throughout the year we hope you enjoyed it we definitely enjoyed doing it and we will catch you guys in a few weeks when we start to really look at 2023 take it easy be good everyone have a great week